Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV Sports' home for all talk related to basketball, all things NBA, right here on Pick and Pod for WFUV Sports. I'm Chris Persianen, joined by Owen Kelty and Merrick Rhodes here in what is a continuation of what I will always confidently say on this show is the best time of year. Factually, there's no better time of year than the Stanley Cup finals, the MLB season, but not the Mickey Mouse first 30 games of the season where like everyone thinks the Pirates are good or whatever narratives are being pushed. Um, the Mets turning it around. Anyway, basketball show here in the heat, no pun intended, of the NBA playoffs. We are very excited to break down these two series for you all if you can't hear it in my voice you're gonna hear it in these guises because we've got a lot to say i gotta start off though with talk that's completely completely unrelated to basketball to set the tone because it's summer right and this is the best time of year how the heck are you guys doing what have you been up to owen let's start with you you know summer just started finally finished school and it's just been a great getting back to work making some money you know just ready to get going no more school, which is great time of the year. And like you said, NBA finals rolling around, NHL finals, just great time, especially when baseball's back and finally getting to like the flow of things. That's when it's the best time of the year. And weather's nice. Yeah, definitely. Getting back to work is definitely tough because, you know, you're just getting done with school, so you don't really want to be doing anything, but they got to get the money. So, you know, getting back to work, but also, yeah, you were talking about baseball's back. So you got that going every day. You got basketball now every other night with, with the Nuggets moving on and the hockey's going still too, getting ready for the Stanley Cup finals. And it's just a good time of the year. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be on one-on-one last weekend. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, obviously, with how busy it is, but yeah, just just good vibes when summer's first starting up. The best vibes, man. That's why I had to start the show off like this. Did any of you guys watch the sixth longest hockey game ever? Any, any, any of you tuned into that? I watched portions I of it. I didn't watch the end of it. I, I stayed up for the whole thing. Yep, I watched the whole thing. I was at Jack Warner's apartment, our colleague here at WFUV Sports, basically begging to be able to go home. I, I mean, I was, I was like, Anderson, dude, just fall over. You got to let one in. Like, come on. I want to go home, man. And fortunately we didn't need another 20 minute intermission and another period, but um, yeah, no best sports time of the year. Let's get into it now in regards to the national basketball association and the two fantastic series for different reasons that we saw go on personally. You know, I I think we got to start where we've already finished, and and that would be out west. Um, LeBron James, year twenty, what a campaign! But it ended in a way that is kind of oh so familiar to LeBron in big do or die games, which is he comes out, doesn't pace himself, plays like the best player of all time, is up at halftime, and then the better team grinds their way back and closes him out and and it's happened for the last 10 years you know you can talk 2014 against the spurs whatever it is like this stuff happens and it's an issue lebron has faced and at age 38 in year 20 wasn't enough to overcome it anthony davis not enough to overcome it you know you think they're going to be returning hachimura and reeves maybe one of the two gets an offer they can't refuse from another team but how are you guys feeling 
before we get into talking about how amazing the Denver Nuggets are, giving them the plethora of bouquets of flowers that they deserve, how are you guys feeling about the Lakers coming out of this season? Let's do a quick little eulogization action. Uh, Owen, man, how are we feeling about those guys out in L.A.? I mean, when you look at how the season went, how it started and then the trade deadline, you could say like in some ways it was a successful season. Obviously, after the, right before the trade deadline, if you thought they weren't going to make the play in and then they ended up making the Western Conference finals. But as a, if you're a fan of the Lakers, I don't know how confident you can feel. LeBron's not going to retire. I feel like we all know that LeBron is not retiring after this season. But even then, next year, you got 39 year old LeBron. And Anthony Davis was healthy for this playoff series. How often do you really get a healthy Anthony Davis for an entire playoff run? And then, like you said, they they almost lost him for the year and they had to load manage him to get him to be able to play. They almost missed the playoffs load managing AD because they needed him healthy. It worked for the play, right? He was healthy, but it, it came with a big risk. So you're absolutely right there. And his inconsistency. I mean, LeBron's 38 years old. He's not supposed to be the one having to put up 40 points a game anymore to have to push this team to get a win and prevent getting swept. Anthony Davis just didn't show up. And when you look at, they have a lot of good role players on this team, but they're not in a great place salary cap wise. Like they're not going to be, they probably won't be able to keep every single player. Someone's going to get a contract from somewhere else. So for the future of the Lakers, I don't know how confident you can be in this team. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you were saying. I think when you look at the grand scheme of their season, I think they had momentum going where they they completely hit, they turned it around once the deadline came around, they added some pieces they really needed. But yeah, I think I think the glaring issue is AD really needs to step up a lot more, especially in a series where you're going up against another amazing big in Jokic where you really are going to need AD on both ends. And he kind of, after that game one, where he had a great game, he really flopped in game two. And I think that was just like an encapsulation of how his playoffs went, where he would have these amazing games and then follow it up with, with kind of a dud. And when you're in a playoff series against an MVP candidate and arguably the best player in the NBA, you can't be doing that. You need to show up every night. I think flopped was the right verb to use there because if you remember, LeBron and Jokic had a little bit of a flop off for the referees. I mean, it really thought they should have just brought out, should have just had the Oscars there that night, just getting, giving the awards to him right away. I was I mean, diving everywhere. Why wait? Right. I, I mean, I mean, listen, man, that series was contentious at times, but I, I do think that um, that series showed a lot about the NBA right now. And, and something I talk a lot about here on pick and pod is how, you know, any show that I'm on, you know, pick and pod, whether I'm on it or not, these are shows about the X's and O's of the game. Hopefully these are shows about the game played on the court. Right. And and a lot of times the media, they just like their storylines. And even though the Nuggets have myriad storylines that, that are, I think, gold star sellers like you got to play the hits and people love LeBron and people love the Lakers. So when LeBron is on the Lakers, everybody is going to want to hear about it. Nuggets favored going into the series. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Everyone picked the Lakers and all the underdogs and this and this and uh, the narrative of King King James in year 20, right? 
at a certain point, you got to watch the games, right? At a, at a certain point, you have to see that Denver was like plus 700 before the season to win the Western Conference and be the number one seed in the regular season. And they did that. So they really exceeded expectations all year long. And you chose game four of the Western Conference finals to start being like, oh, these guys might be good, right? We spoke about on Pick and Pod last week, Riley Thomas and I spoke about how uh, the NBA media just recently started accepting Jokic as a superstar a year after his second MVP win. It's it's just, these nuggets are great, right? Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Bruce Brown, those guys have been stars in their roles. Bruce Brown's been a superstar in his role. That's really important on a championship team. You need the star power. Denver has it. They have the, the big straw that stirs the drink. They've got Murray poking and attacking at the spots that Jokic can't. Michael Porter Jr. has done a lot to turn his game around. You want to talk about my pre-draft concerns with that kid? Can't rebound given his size. Doesn't defend no matter his size. Doesn't care to. Great shooter. Hasn't seen a shot he doesn't like. I basically scouted the guy like he was six foot ten, Dylan Brooks. And I think that he has done such incredible work to make me look stupid. I really appreciate it. He had 14 points, 10 rebounds, six assists in a game recently. That's a dang stat line. That's a playoff stat line. That's Draymond Green type contribution to a team that needs that from you. They have Jamal hitting the threes. They have Jokic making the flashy passes. They need you to go grind it out. And that's what guys like MPJ and Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown and and Contavious Caldwell-Pope have been doing for Denver. They are such an impressive team. They've got an all-time talent in Jokic. Owen, I'll go to you first again here. How do you feel about this Denver team? Are they exceeding your expectations? Is Jokic approaching like, whoa, this is – if he keeps this up, he might be like one of those all-time talents. I've had people I trust in the basketball space tell me recently that, you know, they've seen Jokic like this, but they didn't think he had this gear and that they could see him finishing top 20 all-time when it's all said and done. I don't want to put things too far ahead here, but just in, in regards to this season, how are you feeling about this Denver team? Well, when you look at that Western Conference, I think for the whole year, you had to look at the Nuggets as the best team in the West because when you look like, for the Warriors or the Lakers, they never really had like the best season. What was keeping them as con- like com- is just like their past history. And then the Grizzlies had their issues and then the Kings are a young team. And then once the Suns got KD, but when you look, it was really always going to be once the Suns got KD, I thought the Nuggets or the Suns in the NBA Finals. And then obviously, they beat them in six. So, but this Nuggets team, like you were saying, the way they're put together is just incredible. Like how they have their star, and Jokic is doing things that we haven't seen him do. Like he's always like kind of just like just flopped around, kind of just like run around the paint, just throw the ball out. But he's hitting these like three sixty behind the head, just throwing it up at the rim, and then it's just like nothing but net. It's, it's kind of just incredible watching him. And then, like you said, Jamal Murray coming off the torn ACL, you never after the bubble, no one really thought he was going to be that star again. And now he's really stepped up in his role, and he's a playoff performer. He showed from regular season, averaging like 19 points a game, and now he's like going off in the playoffs. And that's what you really need to win an NBA Finals. You need guys that are playoff performers. And another player, MPJ, I know Michael, the rock stops here, Porter Jr., but 
in that game, he had six assists, which was a career high, and they ended up winning a close game. So he's shown development in his game where he's now contributing to other factors and just scoring to win. And then, like, coming off the bench, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, Bruce Brown, really stepping up in their roles. And then Aaron Gordon has been so underrated for the team because he kind of just, like, put, helps push the pace when you have a guy like Jokic, who obviously isn't the fastest, where he could just throw it up the floor, get a guy like Aaron Gordon, slasher-type player, and just go to the rim. So this team is just so well-built, and they were so underrated all year. And now I think people are finally starting to understand how good of a team they really are. Oh, and is Jamal Murray having a better playoffs right now than he did in the bubble? I don't know. I mean, he made it farther now than in the bubble. But bubble Jamal Murray was different breed. I mean, he was putting 40 points a game almost. But I think now he's more consistent and being able to make it further. I think this is a better Jamal Murray. Yeah, I agree. I also think it's a it's a better Jamal Murray. I mean, look at what he did in game two with the 23 points in the fourth quarter, pretty much single-handedly winning that game for the Nuggets. And, I mean, Jokic is obviously out of this world talent. You got stat lines like 30, 17, 17, 53 points. You have 34, 21, and 14. Like, they, they just jump off the page at you with how absurd they are. But I think a key for the Nuggets that makes them such an unstoppable force is the depth they have. And I think that's a theme that kind of – works for all three of the teams remaining with the depth they have. But I, I think the Nuggets, I think the Nuggets might have the top, ta- the top depth out of all of them remaining. I mean, you look at the games that they had from their depth. I mean, KCP game one, 21 points. You have 20, 20 or 16 out of Michael Porter Jr. In game two, you have obviously the 22 out of Aaron Gordon in game four to close it out. I mean, when you can have the two superstars in Jokic and Murray who are going to put 20, 30 points up nightly, easily between the two of them, and then you could have a, an additional depth piece go for 20 points. I mean, it's just it's just so hard to stop this Nuggets offense. And they've been they've been able to be very good on defense, too. They've had some big defensive moments this playoffs. Obviously, Jamal Murray stopping LeBron in that Lakers series was huge down at the, at, to end the game. But um. Yeah, I think the depth is just what's a big force for this Nuggets team, and they've been so good this playoffs. I I don't want to – this is not supposed to be like a, ooh, I said this moment, but I bring this up every week on Pick and Pod, and it's an old take of mine from Pick and Pod because it just continues to prove to be good logic for any series. So, Merrick, exactly what you were just talking about, man, and and, and it's when – like Owen was just saying, when the Nuggets played the Suns, I came on Pick and Pod, I said, Nuggets in seven, and the reason they're going to win is because of their depth. It is not going to be because of Jokic and Murray. Jokic and Murray are good enough to cancel out Durant and Booker, or I should say Booker and Durant. But the depth, three through eight in the rotation, Denver is so clear. So clear of Phoenix. And you look at the Lakers. Lakers had a really good deadline. Palenka had a really good deadline. But they don't have the cohesiveness that a unit like Denver's does. And and, and Denver has a coach in Mike Malone who goes to bat for them like no other. I mean, he makes Savages in the Box look like a, a children's story, right? I, I think I think Malone comes out after every win or loss and asks for smoke because the thing is after game one, the Nuggets won, but the Lakers made it close at the end. 
and everyone goes, ah, the code is cracked. The Lakers are going to win in five. They figured Denver out. And Michael Malone was like, you're going to put some damn respect on my guys. Please, please, you need to. It's too late now. You're off the train. We're going to show you. And they did. So you got to respect it. You got to love that for a team like Denver, led by someone who's relatively soft-spoken and, and, and quieter in regards to Jokic in terms of other superstars out there, to have a, a leader in Malone who will go to bat for his guys is, is really admirable. I just think you got you to gotta be rooting for this Denver team um, or at least not be upset at their success, even if you're a fan of another team or someone that they defeated along the way. Because at the end of the day, you look at eras over time, and yeah, there are teams that always made it through and never won a ring, but those teams at least get a finals appearance if they they were really, really good, you know? And and people still remember Allen Iverson's Sixers. Um, and, and it's just like, this is this could be one of those squads. Maybe they never chip up. But George Carl was saying the other day in regards to Carmelo Anthony's career, 10% of players, 10% of coaches have chipped up ever. It's really a rare thing, and you can't just ignore and not appreciate the other 90, especially the cream of the crop of the other 90. All right. Now my soliloquy has come to an end. It's time to head back home to the east, but not home for me as a, a New Jerseyan, but rather uh, Massachusetts, Miami, some areas of the country that maybe New York sport fans aren't fond of uh for various reasons various alonzo morning and boston red Sox and pat riley related reasons uh but listen always got the giants over the patriots huh all right basically the miami heat and the boston Celtics are having one heck of a series and we need to talk about it merrick i want to go right to you here on this give you a chance to shine because you know what? You tell us what's happening in this series. Let's just get your read on it. What's going yeah, you on? Know, you know, I think it's really, really fitting that you you mentioned those Boston Red Sox because that's something that I was hearing about a lot. I was listening to the radio on my way to work yesterday. A lot of talk about 2004 and the 3-0 lead that the, that the New York Yankees had over the Boston Red Sox. And after the 3-0 lead was taken by the Miami Heat this series – Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown both said kind of an ode to those Boston Red Sox teams. Don't let us win tonight. Talking about, of course, game five or game four. And sure enough, they won that game. And I mean, this series has been so interesting because you have game one and two that Miami takes in Boston. And it's it's a shock, of course, obviously, similar to the previous series. People didn't really have high expectations for the Heat coming into here. But then you have game three and the Heat really, really dominated the Celtics all game. And I think that really sucked the life out of a lot of at least Celtics fans I saw in the media that were talking about the series. And it it seemed very bleak in in Boston. But then you know game four comes around. They 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 come back and they win the game, obviously. Uh they kind of they kind of had a, a a cohesive effort put around by uh guys like Derek White and Grant Williams uh, to help Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And then obviously the game that happened last night happens. And I mean, the Celtics really looked like they completely have taken momentum in this series. TD Garden was rocking. I, I mean, they really just put put the work in on the heat. I mean, you have four guys in 20 plus points with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Derek White, and Marcus Smart. And really, J- 
Jimmy Butler had a tough time figuring it out. Bam Adebayo didn't have a super strong game. Duncan Robinson had a good game, but I mean, Gabe Vincent being hurt hurts the heat a lot, but I mean, this series is really interesting because I think with the win last night, Boston has really taken the momentum to the point that I think this game six in Miami is really a game seven for the heat. So, so I'm kind of interested to see what you guys think about the series as a whole as well, because, because really game four opened everybody's eyes a little bit, but I think game five is where people are kind of like, is this about to really happen? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For the heat, when they went up three, one on the box and three, one on Knicks, it kind of always felt like if there's a team that was going to blow these leads, it was going to be the eight seed heat. And they've kind of just kept that magical run going and keeping consistent with their just like kind of just surprising everyone. But now all of a sudden, these last two games all year, they've been a, not a great uh, offensive team. And now last two games, 97 points and then 99 points. And then the Celtics, one of the top scoring offenses in the league, obviously only 110 last game. And 116 was a lot of the game before, but it kind of seems like what everyone's been saying is when will the Heat and their roster regress to what they had going the all regular season? And these last two games, they've looked more like their regular season team than they have all playoffs, which if you're a Heat fan, I know a lot of people are like, oh, Jimmy Butler might go off next game or carry this team. But I'd be very concerned if I'm a Heat fan, this Celtics team seems to finally have figured it out versus them. And I think the Celtics are a team that can come back from down 3-0. And also, last game, Jimmy Butler only taking 10 shots in a game where you really want to close him out. He's only has 14 points. That's obviously next game. You're expecting him to come out and shoot the ball way more than he did this game. And without um, without Gabe Vincent, definitely a big loss for them and the scoring front. But for this series, I – it kind of went from the Celtics after game three looking like they were just dead in the water. Like the players had no confidence. It looked like the locker room was gone. And then they come out next two games just firing on all cylinders and just t- just destroying the Heat in these last two games. So this, like you said, I really think game six is a game seven for the Heat. If you lose at home in game six, I think Celtics come out in game seven, just take the, take the series and pull off the comeback. Love your guys' takes on that because I, I do think it's kind of a delicate subject, right? I feel like it's easy to be like, oh, there's no way. There's no way Boston actually. And then we'll be sitting here on Pick and Pot next week. Like, so uh, Celtics Nuggets, <laughs> you know, like I just think um, it, it's really tough, right? It's it's tough because we know it's going to be over soon one way or the other. And it's tough to, to look wrong. Um I'm going to do it. Give me the Boston Celtics in seven games. I'm going to do it. Give me Boston to push it to seven and give me Boston to win game seven. I have doubted the guard core of smart white Brogdon all season long. I think they need someone who is a calming presence in a half court offensive set. They can look for that this summer by trading Jalen Brown whether they find that in the form of Anthony Simons and the number three pick Darius Garland, Cleveland could use a wing, right? That there are some interesting pieces out there, but right now they don't have that presence and and Tatum is required to be it. But you know, what's interesting. Jalen Brown hasn't been great. Averaging 16 points per game, heading into game five, not shooting well from three 
at 20, all. 21 points in that, in that game five, like, or in game six, sorry, 21 points in game six. Like that. Yeah, this is, or, sorry, game five. Wow. Anyway, math. Um, This is like where they're at, regardless of that performance from Brown. So Tatum is holding the ship together. And, and, and that's a guy who got really honed in on in game one of the finals against the Warriors and had the most assists ever in a finals debut because he can adapt his game. Now, where I criticize Tatum and Brown as well, honestly, is their lack of post move and their lack of utilization of the block. I think Tatum this summer needs to get in a gym and lock those doors, have Carmelo Anthony, Hakeem Olajuwon, someone in there with him, teaching him how to work that block down low because Tatum and Brown are two guys that are superb athletes who make the game harder for themselves than it needs to be by taking a higher volatility of shot profile by, by going more from the perimeter. And I just think it's the same thing I say about Julius Randall all the time. You are gigantic. Get to the cup, get to the cup, draw a foul, take a layup, right? It's not always about the tween has he step back. It's not always about shooting 40% from three. I think Scoot Henderson should go number two in this draft this year behind Wenbanyama, and he's not a three-point shooter. Shot 31, 32% from three this season, but he makes the open ones. He can he can run in transition, and if they really close out at the rim, pop, pull up, cash. It's about making the open shots, and sometimes I think people get a little too obsessed with efficiency. Jalen Brown has barely touched the ball. Just let him get some shots up. It might be that simple. 21 points and a win for Brown in the last game out. I, I just, I don't know. Merrick, what do you think about that? Do you, like, is that, is that like too simple to be like, just give Jalen the ball? Is he, is he good enough for that? Or is that, is that where we're at with him? Does the handle need to be tighter? Are we like a season away from real number two option? Jalen Brown. I thought we had it last year. And then this year it's kind of like a bait and switch. Where'd he go? Yeah, I think that's what's been so interesting because obviously he played the role so well last year and then he's really had some struggles this year in that role. But And I think it's unfair to Jason Tatum to have to shoulder the weight because he's also had a lot of criticism this postseason, I feel like, about his his up and down play, which has obviously leveled out a lot more lately. But but in that Philadelphia series, he he had some struggles. But ever since that game seven where he had 50 points, he, he's been he's been on a tear aside from, I think it was game three where he only had 14 points, but he's had... 20 plus into the thirties, most of the series, but you really need Jalen Brown to step up for the Celtics. If, if you want to close this series out, because it can't just all be on Jason Tatum and, and it can't also be on guys like Derek white. You can't be expecting Derek white to step up every game and give you 21 points shooting well from three. He can play, he, but not every, he had a great game, but you can't be, you can't be expecting Derek white to be giving you that production every single night because you'll obviously take it when it happens and you'll, you'll try and capitalize on that and get a win, but you, you can't be relying on him every night where you can, you can rely on Jalen Brown to give you, to give you some buckets every night, as long as he, he's been shooting terribly from three this series up until the last game where he shot, I believe it was three for five from three. But prior to that, he was, he was shooting five to seven threes a game and, and only making it up to one to even none in, in I think game two it was, but, but yeah, he really needs to figure it out because if this Celtics team not only wants to win this series, obviously coming back down from three Oh, but to win the finals, you you can't rely solely on Jason Tatum, especially going into a series in the next series. If you do pull it off where you have to go up against Jokic and Murray. 
So I think I think this next game is interesting because obviously people have talked about the Celtics' home playoff record, which has been a little bit shaky this year. But you look at their their performance last series in Philly in Game Six and at home in Game Seven, they can do it, obviously. And Jason Tatum, I know, is a phenomenal performer in in elimination games. So yeah, he he needs the help from Jalen Brown though on a consistent basis. And Jalen Brown's really gonna need to step up because that basically are playing without Malcolm Brogdon. He's one arm right now. Last game, only eight minutes, and then he left. So without him, who won six man of the year, Jalen Brown's going to have to step up in his absence and score a lot more. I think if the Celtics are going to win this series, they're going to need like one of those like huge Jalen Brown 30-plus point games. Probably in game six, I think, it's going to be the biggest. That's the most important game for the Celtics. Even if, like, if they win, they're going to need this game because they're in Miami. So it's important. Also, Grant Williams, I think, can have step up. Like, I mean, he's been a good role player, but what he did against the Bucks last year in the conference finals, hitting all those threes, he's going to be a guy that's going to probably be left open. And he'll be a big, like, he can step up with the absence of Jalen Brown's not playing well or Malcolm Brogdon. Absolutely. I, I wanted to make this point to get your guys' take. What you guys were saying about doing it every night. Right. I think that's what makes a star in the league. Can you go out regardless of who's on you and regardless of what coverages are being thrown at you? Can you go out and do it every night? And to me, that's what makes depth the X factor of the NBA in the playoffs. We knew it was a stars league. It is a stars league. But the team with the edge over the other team with stars is going to be the one with the depth. It's not about getting an amazing 25 point game out of Bruce Brown every night. It's the fact that he can do it once they have to guard him. So Contavious Caldwell Pope, is he going to make five threes every game? No, sir. But if he's one for four, he might make that next one. And you still got to close out. I just think that depth, is has been the X factor of these playoffs. You look at New York beating Cleveland. Cleveland had the name brand star. Didn't matter. You look at uh, Miami beating Milwaukee. Milwaukee had a top three player. Didn't matter. Right. And, and, and you just, you watch the teams that are advancing and why they're advancing. And I frankly think it's directly a positive correlation in, in regards to their depth. Um, no question about it. So, that for me is like the X factor of these playoffs has been depth. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you look at the heat in this series, I think that's why they jumped out so early on. Cause you look at the depth in this series for them. I mean, Caleb Martin's averaging 17 points a game on six, three point attempts per game and gave Vincent also 17 points a game on five threes a game. So you need a guy like Gabe Vincent back. He's listed, I believe, as a game-time decision right now for game six. And I think he's a crucial piece for the Heat if they want to close out this series finally. Because when their depth is hitting, like they did in game one, where I believe it was that Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Caleb Martin, they all had 15-plus points, which is insane. And if you can tap into that, where, where kind of all the Miami Heat's depth is, is hitting and giving you some points, I think that's how they beat the Celtics team who has been relying so heavily on Jason Tatum lately. Whereas if you can get a collective effort out of the heat and get, and get a good game out of Jimmy and bam, as well as some, some contribution from the depth, I think that's how you beat the Celtics team because if it's solely Jason Tatum and one of the depth pieces going at you while, while Jalen Brown's kind of struggling, 
I think that's how the Heat win game six and, and close out the series. But if, if, if the Celtics depth shows up, like they obviously can as well in game six and, and Jalen Brown can have a great game and, and Jason Tatum can obviously show up like he has the whole series, I think the Celtics are going to force a game seven and that's a really big problem for the Miami Heat who already have a ton of eyes on them now. Absolutely. And that's really, oh, that's really been the story of the playoffs, I feel like, is the role players because the Knicks series, Knicks role players, bench guys didn't show up against the Heat and then the Heat bench really did and then they ended up winning that series and then they went up 3-0 against the Celtics is when their bench was just having their best games and that's really just been the story of the playoffs is your star can put up 40-point games, have great games every game, but when you don't have a bench bench players doing a little bit or anything at all, you're not going to win your series. And it's kind of shifted the NBA in general to be like not just a star power league. I mean, the Suns had two star players, DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul, obviously, and look at them, second-round exit. Didn't have a bench, didn't have great role players, and it's kind of shown a team like the Heat, even though they're the A-seed, having a lot of good role players – can get can get you to the NBA Finals if they were to close out this series. Yeah, I I really think that's been, you know, it's always depth. Depth is always what it's always mattered, but it's a, a stars league, right? I think we're seeing that shift where now the prices of stars on the trade market. You look at the Gobert deal, the Dejounte deal, the Durant deal. Have any of these aged well? No. Harden? Harden and Melton, three firsts for those guys. At least that, you know, they got two players. That went well for them, right? At least. Oh. Oh. And 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 what about Cleveland? Well, they, surely they made it past the first round after giving up an all-star starter in Laurie Markkinen and three first round. Oh, what's that? Oh. So when you take a look around the league, I think there's a direct correlation. No depth? No playoffs. Little depth, some playoffs. Depth, conference finals, finals, championship. We're going to see who's in these NBA finals probably by the next episode of Pick and Pod. So make sure you stay tuned to everything we're doing here at WFUV Sports. I personally just hosted a live show yesterday saying farewell to Carmelo Anthony, a New York City basketball icon. You can go check that out on the WFUV Sports YouTube under the live section. It's not under videos. It is under live because it was a live show. We had some fantastic callers as well. Give some takes, ask some questions. And make sure you stay tuned here on Pick and Pod for all the talk that you need and want to hear about these amazing NBA playoffs for Merrick Rhodes and for Owen Kelty, I'm Chris Persiain, and thanking you all for following along here at WFUV for listening to Pick and Pod. Just a reminder that Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports, managed by Bobby Chaffordini. Thanks for listening.